A mysterious harmonica playing drifter gets entangled in a land grab plot between a beautiful widow and a greedy rail baron while seeking revenge from a notorious gangster. I'm Valerie Higgs and this is my cinematic bucket list. to say that I didn't like westerns. I have said that for years and years. I'm a Gen Xer, and so though I remember westerns, I didn't exactly gravitate toward them. They would be on television during the weekend, and I'd watch one here and there. The first western I remember specifically watching from beginning to end was Shane with Alan Ladd. It was okay. I was a bit irked by the kid calling Shane's name a gazillion times as Shane rode away into the sunset. When I realized two westerns were on my personal top 10 greatest film list, I surrendered to the fact that I actually really liked westerns. Those two films are High Noon with Gary Cooper and Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. I have to add Once Upon a Time in the West to that list. This was an awesome rewatch. I'm going to say about 14 years ago, when I realized that I really liked westerns, I decided to watch a bunch of famous movies And Once Upon a Time in the West was the first one I wanted to see because I would always catch it in the middle on television if you're flipping through the channels on a Saturday afternoon. I never knew what was really going on with Charles Bronson in that harmonica, so I wanted to solve that right off the bat. About 10 minutes in the movie, I thought, oh, this is what Quentin Tarantino has been trying to do. And wow, he's a hack. Don't hate on me, QT. I'm going to (laughs) explain. I watched Once Upon a Time in the West uh, the first time, 2008 or 2009, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wasn't even close to being made. I don't even think I had seen Inglorious Bastards yet. My only reference to the similar style was Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2, which I love those movies. I used to love martial arts movies, and, you know, I saw enough westerns that I got what was happening, but... I had avoided most Westerns to that point. So the movies that QT was referencing, I, I didn't get. So I didn't really get what he was get, you know, trying to do. When I finally watched Once Upon a Time in the West, it was a huge treat, number one, surprising. I was surprised that I loved it. And I finally understood what Quentin was trying to do. I was amazed from the very first scene. The railroad station scene where we're introduced to um, the outlaws in the dusters waiting for Harmonica to get off that train. Well, they don't know it's Harmonica specifically. They knew it was somebody who was trying to beat Frank, played by Henry Fonda, in a very brutal, he has a brutal first scene. But the railroad station scene was amazing because there was no music, only the sound of the elements or the environment, really, not the elements, (laughs) the environment. Uh, You know, you hear the wind blowing, crickets maybe. I think there were some crickets, but you really mostly heard the wind and the windmill creaking. You don't hear anything until musical. You don't hear anything musical until you hear the harmonica after the train leaves the station. Ennio Morricone's score really knocked me out. I mean, I like his other stuff. A lot, 
This, I really like the music too, um, this movie. The harmonica was a little annoying, but it worked for the score. You know, I, it's like you got it. I think the point is, uh, Charles Bronson's character wasn't trying to learn the harmonica. <laughs> you have to see the movie. I don't think that was his goal. We all know what his goal was. The two times the score really struck me was when the town was revealed after Jill McBain got off, after she disembarked. After she got off and she realized that her husband wasn't at the train station, she has to go into the town that you don't even know exists up to this point. She has to go into the town to get a ride to go out to his farm, and she goes through the train station, but we, the viewers, are outside the train station and the camera goes up over the roof and there is revealed the buffling panel beyond the train station and Morricone's score just emphasizes that whole scene it's just very cool That's just excellent score writing. You know what is also excellent score writing? When you know when the music is not needed. I mean, as I mentioned, that entire first scene at the train station, it has no music. None. Apparently, director Sergio Leone had Ennio Morricone compose the music before filming to make it available during filming. So he already knew what he had. He, he knew what he had in mind and how the music was going to work with the movie. One other thing that I discovered during my research, because again, this was a rewatch, so I have to do some research on it instead of just experiencing it for the first time. Uh, the plot and the movie, some details from the, the movie, were pulled from other famous westerns. According to Wikipedia, Leone's intent, and I quote, Leone's intent was to take stock conventions of the American Westerns of John Ford, Howard Hawks, and others, and rework them in an ironic fashion, essentially reversing their intended meaning in their original sources to create a darker connotation, end quote. Here's an example. One of the first things he did was hire usual good guy, Harry F Henry Fonda, Harry, who the heck's Harry Fonda, <laughs> Henry Fonda, as the biggest villain in the picture. When Henry Fonda showed up wearing black contacts and a mustache for the filming, Leone had him take them off. Take off, take off the contacts and shave the mustache. He wanted Henry clean-shaven with those famous blue eyes in the picture. The climax of the movie is really what made me think of Quentin Tarantino movies. The most meaningful action happens here, and it is a masterclass in filmmaking. 
As I mentioned before, it's a real long movie. You know, it's almost three hours, and it's a slow burn. There's a lot of character development that builds up to the climactic scene when Harmonica and Frank finally square off. But I will note that as much as you know about Cheyenne, as much as you know about Jill, the railroad baron, you don't know much about Harmonica until this scene. Up until this scene, which is like well into the picture, all you know is that he could play and that he could shoot. <laughs> and you know he has some kind of beef with Frank. But you have to wait two and a half hours before you find out what that beef is. It's a payoff, I tell you. The biggest surprise to me was that my favorite character was Cheyenne, played by Jason Robards. And why is this surprising? Jason Robards was all over television and movie when I, when I was growing up, and I have to admit that I took him for granted a little bit. I was kind of tired of him. He would show up in a movie, and I would go, oh, God, that's Jason Robards. But having watched this movie for the second time, I realized how awesome he is. <laughs> First of all, I didn't know much about Jason Robards until this viewing, because, of course... I had my phone next to me. IMDB was on my phone. I was like, what else was he in? I feel like I saw him in a lot of stuff. And I did. I mean, one of my favorites is Something Wicked This Way Comes. I believe he was in 12 Angry Men. But then I didn't know that he was like this famous stage actor. Like he won a Tony. So I was like, oh, he's a real actor. And watching this movie, I really saw the acting chops of Jason Robards, which makes me feel bad that I had that attitude about him when I was younger. But anyway, his character, he was an outlaw, but he wasn't evil. Frank was evil. And we had plenty of examples of how evil Frank was, starting off when he killed the McBain family. Cheyenne even said to Jill early on, he wasn't as bad as people made him out to be. It was only when he was mad, when people make him mad, that's when he became problematic. He was a pretty solid character. He had a sense of humor. He worked with Harmonica. He didn't have a beef with Harmonica. Harmonica did not have a beef with Cheyenne. So it was just a kind of cool. They were kind of friend, almost friends in a way by the end of the movie. Anyway, I'm going to have to check out more Jason Robard movies uh, or watch the ones I've already seen and throw a couple more in there. So, was Once Upon a Time in the West worth being listed on BFI's Greatest Films of All Time list? Absolutely. Will I watch it again? Yes. As a matter of fact, this time I watched it two days in a row. <laughs> in the next episode, I will be watching a that is on the American Film Institute list. And it's a movie I recall hearing about and reading about and managing never to see. It was a director was, when I was growing up, he was a big deal at that time. And I remember his name well, but I had never seen the movie. This movie is The Last Picture Show, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, and it stars Sybil Shepard and Jeff Bridges. This movie is a great example as to why I want to watch all of the best movies. 
It's a movie I heard people talk about, I heard actors reference, I heard directors talk about, and I never really had a, any reason to see it. It was kind of like, oh, one of these days I'll see it. Well, finally I have a reason to see it. So that's it for this episode. I hope you get a chance to sit down and watch Once Upon a Time in the West, or any of the movies I've covered so far this season. If you're interested in hearing more, please take a few seconds to follow me on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Just follow me there so you don't miss the next episode. And if you like what you hear, I would really love it if you rated the show. I would really appreciate it. I'm Valerie Higgs, and you've been listening to my cinematic bucket list.